Turn your Bible to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians, the third chapter. There are about five words I'd suggest you underscore in this chapter. On Wednesday nights, we have been studying just right through these epistles, and we've come to Colossians, and we've gone through chapters 1 and 2. And this morning, very briefly, I'd like to lay on your heart a part of chapter 3. Notice these words in verse 1, if. In verse 2, seek. In verse, I'm sorry, in verse 1, if and seek. In verse 2, set. In verse 5, mortify. In verse 12, put on. Let me give you those again. In verse 1, if and seek. In verse 2, set. In verse 4, mortify. In verse 12, put on. Now that's God's plan for his children. Let's pray. Our Father, we ask you to speak to all of our hearts this morning. And may we know the presence of Christ. We pray that the Holy Spirit will do his work of conviction and encouragement and victory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now Paul is writing to the Colossian Christians. As far as we know, Epaphras may have started that church. Paul usually does not build on somebody else's foundation unless he's sure of it. Epaphras was one of the fellow workers with Paul, like Timothy and Titus and Trophimus and so on. Well, Epaphras was the worker over in Colossae and he brought back a good report, but he said there are some problems among God's people at Colossae and it would help if you'd write them. And so Paul writes, this whole little epistle, not very long, very short epistle, four chapters. And in chapter 3, he comes to a climax. He says, if, and that's in the subjective, subjective sense. And so you might say since, either one of those would work there. If ye then be risen with Christ, if ye then be risen with Christ, or since ye are risen with Christ, the if is the big, big if. And we need to stop there for just a moment, the very first word in that chapter, and examine our own hearts. Paul says, now, it's possible that you become a church member and you're not saved. That's possible. <clears throat> Billy Graham says 65%, he thinks 65% of the visible church are lost. Dr. J. Harold Smith says maybe 65 to 80% <coughs> of the visible church are unsaved. Now he's taking it across the broad spectrum of all Christendom, not necessarily talking about Glendale or any one church. And so that might not be altogether true here, but we need to examine our own hearts. One reason I like to have Dr. J. Harold Smith come and preach his God's Three Deadlines is because it always makes me go back and examine 
Richard Oldham, are you positive your name's written in heaven? And I pray that happens to every one of us. And through the years, there have been some of our own precious members who have come and said, when I heard that message, God convicted me that I was not really saved. Now, this big if right here needs to speak to every one of us. If ye then be risen with Christ. Now what that refers to is baptism. Person ought not to be baptized till he's saved because baptism pictures the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. And that resurrection, when you come up out of the water, you're testifying to the fact, I've been born again. I'm a new person in Christ. Because baptism pictures three things. It pictures, first of all, what Jesus did. He died and was buried, and three days later, he was raised from the grave. Secondly, it pictures that one day I'm gonna die and be buried. But just like God raised Jesus from the dead, he's gonna raise me, and I'll be with him. But thirdly, it pictures that I personally have died to an old life, and I've been buried to the old life, and I've been raised to walk a new life with Christ. And Paul, building on what he's already said in the earlier chapters of Colossians, says, if indeed ye then be risen with Christ, if you're saved, if you know Christ, if you know him as your Lord, then I wanna suggest some things that you need to do. And so he would say that to every one of us here, and everyone who's listening by radio. Examine your own heart. Are you risen with Christ? Are you sure you're saved? Are you sure you've been born again? Nicodemus came to Jesus. He said, you're a good man. Nobody could do what you're doing except God be with him. And Jesus said, verily I say unto you, Nicodemus, and he was a member of the church. He was a tither. He was a good father. He was an honorable man. He was a part of the Sanhedrin. He was a Jew of the Jews. And Jesus said, except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. He can't even understand it. And in the time that came after that, Nicodemus was born again, even though he was already a church member. Now, folks, examine your heart, junior boys and girls. Look into your own heart. Do you know for sure that you're born again? If ye then be risen. Young Mary... Are you sure? Youth, are you sure? Singles, are you sure? Adults, older people, are you sure that you're born again? If ye then be risen with Christ, you're not going to have a hard time stomaching what else comes. If you're not born again, you'll see there goes that old foggy preacher again, talking about standards and things that we ought to do and ought not to do. And you see, that's the way the world does. They don't understand had a, a person in our church one day went out and said, the preacher said, if you dance, you're going to hell. Say, so we just get a preacher to quit preaching against dancing and everything be fine. Well, that person later got saved. He wasn't saved. You know, when you look at things like that, it's because you're not born again. And so Paul is saying very carefully, and I hope you'll underscore these words, if ye then be risen with Christ, if you're saved, if Christ lives in your heart, then notice some things. Number one, in that same verse, he says, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Seek the things that are above. 
the things of heaven. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Jesus said, and all the things you need will be added unto you. You don't have to seek after raiment and houses to live in and cars to drive and all those things. You seek first the kingdom of God and God will add to you what you need. So he says, if you're then a Christian, if you've been born again, if you're on your way to heaven, seek those things that are above. Scan the skies. What is heaven gonna be like? I wanna be more heavenly minded while I dwell on the earth. And then he comes to the next thing, verse two. He says, set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth. Sometimes we say, my name is Jimmy. I'll take all your gimme. And our whole attitude is gimme, gimme, gimme. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I want this, I want this, I want this. And the Lord says, set your affection on things above. Not on things on the earth. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And then he gives a reason. Look in verse, four, verse 3. For you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. That is, you're dead to the things of the world. You're dead to the old life. You're alive unto Christ. You have been raised in his likeness. Are you saved? then this isn't going to be hard for you. If ye then be risen with Christ, set your affection on things above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of the Father. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Turn quickly to Titus 2, verses 11 through 14 a moment. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Now there's a lot of grace in the Bible, taught in the Bible. There's the grace for dying. We've never needed that before. None of us have died. I think there comes a time at the moment just before death, God gives his saints grace. So they can just with a wave of a hand say, I'm going to the better land. It's all right. Don't weep. We don't have that grace right now. We cry. I think there's, God gives grace for pain, grace for surgery, grace for, for suffering. There's all kinds of grace. But here he says, the grace of God that brings salvation teaches us some things. Now I want to know something. And I want you to look into your own heart. Everybody look right up here, please. Listen to this carefully. Have you the grace that brought salvation to your heart? If so, it has taught you two things. Number one, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. That's the reason preacher preaches against dancing and drinking and drugs and, and premarital sex and all those things. Because God says the grace that brings salvation teaches us that denying ungodliness and, un, and worldliness, theaters, X-rated movies and all those true confession magazines and hundreds of porno magazines that are put out. 
If you've got the grace of Christ that brought salvation in your heart, it's going to teach you from the inside. And when you hear the preacher say something about it, you'll say, Amen. He's saying what the Bible says. You're not going to go out and say, well, there he goes grumbling again. See, because God will speak to you. I'm convinced there are a lot of people that talking about heaven ain't going there. Lots of people that are in the church and they grumble about standards. It's because they've never been born again. If you set your affection on things above, if you're, if you're in Christ. And the grace of God that brings salvation teaches us denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. We should live righteously and soberly and godly in this present world, looking for the glorious appearing, the great God and our Savior, our blessed hope, Jesus Christ. For you're dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. Now look at verse 5. This is the fourth word I want you to underscore, mortify. That word mortify means put to death. Kill, slay, get rid of it. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Now, many of these things that he refers to, listen, Many of these things that he refers to are good and godly unless they're used in the wrong way. And so the first among the list is fornication. Fornication is sexual impurity. Technically, it has to do with sex before marriage, either with somebody who is married or somebody who's not married. So it covers premarital sex, fornication. He says that's something we need to mortify, put to death, kill it, get it out. And then he says uncleanness. That has to do with unclean living, unclean thinking, unclean speaking. Inordinate affection. That means affections that are inordinate, that are not right, that are not godly, that are not wise. Evil concupiscence. That has to do with evil desires. They're there below the surface all the time. You've heard that expression, down boy. That's what we need to say to all these evil concupiscences. Get rid of them. Kill them. And covetousness, which is idolatry. He says if you want something that somebody else has got, if you want it in the baddest way, it will become idol, idolatry to you. It'll become an idol. God says get rid of that. For the which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these anger. These are spiritual sins. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all in and all. And then last of all, in verse 12, he says, here's some things to put on. You put off all this stuff. You know, when you come to Jesus, you take your old ragged coat and take it off and throw it away. You don't need it anymore. But he gives you something new to put on. You're clothed in his righteousness. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not just a bunch of negatives. There are some negatives. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. And on and on. But there's some positives. Look what he says in verse 12. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, 
tender mercies, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on love, charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? This is what a Christian is to do. If ye then be risen with Christ, he says, set your affection, seek those things which are above, mortify the members of your body, put on all these wonderful things of beauty. And he closes it by saying, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. I appreciate our singers at Glendale, our choir, the quartet, the master's maidens, the silver quartet. We're so glad Mrs. Claycomb is back today. She's going to start that silver quartet of going pretty soon. God bless you, Ms. Clickcomb. And all the soloists, Lloyd and Janice, and on and on and on, Ms. Vaught, and just lots of soloists. Every time I've ever heard Chris Mansfield sing, he gives a testimony with it. I've never heard him when he didn't. And often there are tears, not only in his eyes, but in mine, probably yours. And then he sings some great hymn. He doesn't put on some highfalutin thing that nobody ever heard of before. Listen, the thing that gets to hearts are the great hymns. Homer Rodeheaver knew that years ago, and he led the great congregations of America. If your heart keeps right, if your heart keeps right, every cloud will wear a rainbow if your heart keeps right. And Chris sings Sunday after Sunday, Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? At the cross, at the cross. I want to ask you, have you been to the cross? Do you know the Lord? Do you know him as your personal sin-bearer and Savior? If you do, if you've known him, then come out from the crowd and identify yourself as one of God's children. That's what God says. Jesus said, there are no secret disciples. If you love me, keep my commandments. And the first commandment is to identify yourself with God's people. If you're saved, if Jesus lives in your heart, come and let it be known. If you've never been saved, open your heart to Jesus right now. May we pray, our heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. We're going to sing in a moment without him, I could do nothing. But right now, would you remember that all the things I mentioned this morning that the Word of God gives, we can't do them without Jesus. You just can't do it. We'll fail every time. But if we let Jesus come in and live his life through us, then there'll be victory and joy. Our Father, we pray that somebody here will turn to Jesus today. 
In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand, please. 176, without him I can do nothing. Will you come? Do what God tells you to do while we sing.